Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, it's another stressful week. And so we're not going to focus on the news and all of that because there's a lot of stressful things happening. Instead, we're going to focus on a Parks and Recreation reunion fundraiser, apparently filmed like now. Because uh, I think that is a lovely instance of people using the situation and their celebrity for good. I'm excited about it. Are you excited about this like half hour special that they're they're going to be doing over? I think I'm assuming it's on NBC. No. <laughs> I have I haven't watched Parks and Rec really, so I don't I don't I, I the concept of it is nice, but I also just do not care. Um, so it's just like I I appreciate people put banding together to do this for charity and everything. So I think that is great. I personally do not care. I personally am in the same boat as friend of the show Corey Barker. Why isn't this a Thirty Rock reunion special for charity? Because that that I would care about. Because I have absolutely no interest in spending time with those characters. Well, I don't have any interest in Carrie spending any time with these folks. So, but the whole okay, so the whole thing with Parks and Recreation is that there are public officials and government workers at a local level who care about their community with every fiber of their being and are dedicated to making their world a better place. And this is not a reunion to watch the cast sit around and talk to each other about how great the show is, though I probably would enjoy that. This is an opportunity to spend an extra half an hour with Leslie Nope. And right now, don't we all want to live in a fantasy world where Leslie Nope is, you know, I don't know when they're setting this, but either the president or like, or some like in charge of the parks department on a national, like, I want to be in that world for another half hour with Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson and, uh, and Chris Traeger and Ann Perkins. And that for me sets this apart from some of these other reunion show things that have been going yeah. on. Also, it's only half an hour. Which is great. Very important choice. I mean, I want to spend more time with Retta. Don't we all want to spend more time with Retta? Uh, but well, that's sorry, Donna. <laughs> that's true. And we will get, we'll get, to, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about that a little bit, a little bit later in our weekend TV. Really, Kate, if you want to spend time with Retta, You'd be watching Good Girls. Are you watching Good Girls? I want to spend time with Donna. Let me be clear. Okay. <laughs> I want to spend time with Retta or with Donna. I don't care about the characters on Good Girls or I would have stuck with that show longer. Though no no shade to people who enjoy it. I'm sure it's, it has many interesting things. I just There's just too much TV for me right now to watch that one. Um, so, okay. Well, fair enough. So you won't be watching, but I will be watching. And the fact that they're doing it as a fundraiser for charity, I think, is great. They've already raised $250,000 um, between NBC and the, the cast and crew and producers of the show. Um, so that's pretty great. And we'll, we'll see what comes next. But yeah, don't, I mean, you aren't interested to see how what they're going to write for Ron Swanson about current like the being quarantined I, I just i don't know i mean i'm gonna end up watching this because my partner is a fan of parks and rec so uh-huh. we'll probably end up watching it uh but i personally am just like Meh, it's fine it's fine 
Leslie Nope has like definitely cleaned everything in her house like three times while sure. been, uh, while in shelter in place and has come up with an entirely new filing system for her binders mm-hmm. and like and I'm very excited to see you know and and you know you <laughs> you know there's like an entire new like expansion set to the cones of Dunshire or whatever which I know this this doesn't mean much doesn't to you but anything. I'm assuming it's some okay. sort of settlers of Catan thing yeah yeah it is it, 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 it that's okay uh but anyways it's gonna be i'm very excited I, I think it'll be very nice i also have very low expectations so if it's just charming and fun i will be very happy that's all i yeah. need from a lot of my tv right now uh this week in distancing um for the the fun video i i thought i should change up the 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 videos i've been putting out um and the show notes so, th- so there's no funny song instead this week uh in the theme of the various like um athletes passing balls back and forth uh this might be older than that but i saw it this week stunt performers passing the kick (laughs) or whatever the punch which is just so delightful and fun and watching them like try to stack and come up with new ways to fall backwards like dramatically is i think my favorite part of it like the, the kicking or punching is good but i think the more fun where you're watching them really enjoy themselves is that part of it you've so you've seen this one I have seen this one for once. I've seen it. And it is really delightful. Uh, I do agree that they were like trying to find different ways to like fall back dramatically. And I think for the most part, a lot of them do it. Like I like the one where he, one of them like lands, like gets hit and then hits the, um, hits like the playground equipment in their yard. And it's just like, ow, <laughs> dedication. But I, one of the things I also appreciate is that even though it takes a little too long and they should have thought about this when they were putting it together, it takes a little too long to get to some lady stunt people Mm -hmm. and it takes them a little too long to get to like stunt people of color as well. And so I was just like, Oh, come on. Is this just going to be buff dudes? Okay. No, good. It's buff ladies too. Excellent. Thank you. Um, So I was glad. I just wish they had sort of like not backloaded all of them. Yeah. Considered Um, their editing. Yeah, consider their editing, but they're stunt people, not editors. Uh, so, and I understand that, like, they also probably based a lot of it on what did we have in our houses that matches with what we're doing for the next thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the banana, which is very funny, the toilet paper, which is also very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really, really enjoyed it, and it was really fun. And it's a solid, like, two and a half minutes, so it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good, though. I like it. I'm on board. Um, We're going to keep the top of the show short today. We're going to try to keep the show short today. We'll see how it goes. Because I actually watched television this week, guys. I caught up on a bunch of, not everything, but a bunch of things. So I'm going to give some thoughts on that. Uh, And we're even doing three segments, two segments for TV, and then our our special, our season spotlight, which is Briar Patch season one. That's got to be a series spotlight, right? Like, it can't come back after that. I, I can't imagine it is. I hope it's not because it doesn't need to. Doesn't need to. But uh, that that's a conversation for the end of the podcast. So you can check that out there. For now, we're going to take a break. And you know we're listening to Salt and Peppa. We're listening to Push It. And we'll be right back with our week in drama and comedy. Right after Salt this. and Peppa! <laughs>
that was, uh, you know, in the immortal words of Sir Patrick Stewart. Salt and pepper! And of, of course, push it. And and if you don't know what that's about, then go watch more John Mulaney stand up. Um, or or is that was that a talk show appearance? Might have been a talk show appearance. I think it's in a stand up bit, but it's definitely in like a talk show thing. Yeah. <laughs> this week in drama and comedy, uh, we're going to talk about, or I'm going to say, I should say, I'm going to talk about uh, the good fight first two episodes because since I caught up with that and Mrs. America. Like we're up to episode four now, Betty. Um, then we'll talk about the finale, season finale for Brooklyn Nine Nine, Lights Out, and the Superstore finale, California Part One, intended to be one half of the finale, but it kind of works as a season finale with a cliffhanger. Um, more on that in a bit. Then we'll catch up with Ducktales and talk about this week's episode, The Lost Harp of Nirvana. The Lost Harp of Nirvana! I don't know, exclamation point. Thank you. (laughs) And round out the segment with what we do in the shadows, uh, brain scramblies. And I also got up with this one. uh, These shows... There's so just there's a lot of good TV right now, guys. Uh, so first up is the Good Fight, which had which I caught up with, and I I liked I think the premiere more than you did, but okay. I definitely did not think it was as clever as or interesting as some people the people who really liked it thought it was. Yeah. Uh, what it felt like to me is that they got they had the beginning of the episode, and they then as they knew it only had so much steam, they had an interesting weird middle point which is the thing with the door which works and they did not i think know how to get between those things and so having the i need to find my husband thread didn't make a lot of sense to me and certainly the thing out in the woods didn't make any sense and unless they're foreshadowing something that i don't want them to be foreshadowing later in the season which they're not allowed to foreshadow um <laughs> I say about the Kings's show. Um, I don't really understand what all that was about. And I, I don't want to put in the mental energy to like come up with some sort of reasoning around ideology and acceptance of, of um, like, you know, the, the election as a, as a something that's worth existing so that she can be with Kurt and these other, like, it's, it's not worth that energy for me, <laughs> which maybe a different episode or a different season would not have been the case. But for right now, I'm just happy to go to the actual season. And the the first episode of, the, of or the second episode of the season, but really the first episode of the season, like you said last week, Noel, uh, was really interesting. And I like the fact that uh, I'm very interested by the fact that the kings seem to have like lifted the, but the judiciary at least is is stable or will save us um which has never really been their philosophy but that always felt because there was always a very much an awareness of what judge they get on the good wife greatly impacts their strategy and how how fair or not something will be but the wholesale corruption and uh just loss of that as an arm of a functional arm of the government or of justice is not something that they have ever even implied until this episode. And so that's a, like, that's a bold change for them. And I'm very interested in what they're going to do with it. Uh, I hope Boatman gets more, because of course he's very good. Michael Boatman's very good in this episode. And um, I don't know if he's going to be off screen for a while now or if we're going to keep following him. I hope we keep following him because there's a lot of really interesting stuff here, just like you were saying. So I'm very on board with what it looks like the season's going to be. Uh, also, 
Uh, can we talk for a second about the 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 new partners? Laracat, like you said, delightful, such a good fit here. Um, but Mr. Laurie and Mr. Firth. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I uh, remember Firth. I didn't hear the other name as well. But And so, of course, I immediately go to Hugh Laurie and Colin Firth, and I don't know how you can't go to that. I mean, maybe it's a coincidence, but that can't be a coincidence. Uh, no, spe- it doesn't seem like something that would be a coincidence. Yeah. So I don't know what they're doing there, but I'm very intrigued. Because um, isn't the person we dealt with, Laracat is playing Mr. Firth? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't have a British accent, but the assistant does. Um, which is why I pinged hearing Laurie and Firth in that accent is what made me immediately go there. But uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Let Listeners, let us know <laughs> if if it's just me going like, wait, 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 what's going on here? What, But like, you know, beloved British uh, <laughs> actors like Thread is going to be in the naming this season. Um, but I'm yeah, that was that that really was weird to me. The the new credits I liked with everything coming back in uh, the like you said. <laughs> Um, Sarah Steele making the most out of the uh, the, the 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 ejaculating into plants uh, lines and uh, very good and yeah there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff here so I I'm excited about the season in a way I wasn't before I watched these first two so I'm I'm back on board I'm glad that you're back on board um and I do agree with you about the judiciary I think that's an angle that my brain hadn't considered. And I mean, they definitely sort of alluded to it um, when they first encountered like that very inept Trumpton point and judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're going whole hog on that as a concept this season. And I'm really interested. And I don't think that this is the end of what we're going to see with Michael Boatman. Um, just he's a series regular. They really oh, yeah. like him. I and... forgot that he was a series regular again. Yeah, no, he's been a series regular since this show started. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, the one thing we didn't discuss, and I want to get your feelings on this, is are you also excited that David Lee is back as a series regular on the show? Because, oh God, <laughs> Luke is just going to murder him. I'm very excited about it. It's going to be good. I like that they make him right. I yes. think that's essential in this. Yes. Uh, I also like this new character who, at least in the trailer, seems like she's going to come back as like a potential new friend for Luca, friend for Luca, and also, you know, very rich person who can tie into this memo thing yes. as well. Um, so I en- I enjoyed her. But um, yeah, I like that Luca can be wrong, but in a very understandable way. And I like that um, while she's hyper competent and very, very good at what she does. Lee's been in the game a long time and yeah. uh and while he is not above stretching for hours we've seen him do it before that just doesn't happen to be what he's doing here so yeah i'm very excited for that yeah me too me too um just he brings a whole fresh dynamic because he's just pure slime mm-hmm. um but he's slime that cares both about his bottom line but also about his client's bottom line because it affects his bottom line which is always a really it was always a really good dynamic on the good fight so translating it here into the good wife wife, yeah translating it into the good fight i think is really smart yeah well and it just uh it's you know he's very he's very good (laughs) it gives us more fun with more more time with with a really fun character zach grenier is just he's always he he could he can always stop by he and, and, and that's just a character who like we don't like him but yeah he he we respect his 
that he's good at his job and he like it's one of the it's one of those characters who you may not like them but you can respect the fact that they care are passionate about doing a, a good job that they he wants to always wants to be a good lawyer and that's rely, reliable and do what be successful for his clients while also making lots of money. <laughs> yeah. And I like any character in which you have to say their full name just because. Yeah. So like yeah. you don't say David, you That's say David weird. Lee. It's David Lee. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of multiple names, let's go over to Mrs. America and their new episode this week is Betty. And I've caught up with the first four now uh, and really am enjoying this season. Uh, I've, I started watching it actually uh, on the treadmill and it has been the most effective. I forget that I'm powering through treadmill sessions that are destroying me because I'm so, uh, so out of shape. Um, so it's been very successful for that. <laughs> I have to put the subtitles on, but, uh, but just like there's so many montages with it works great <laughs> and the performances are wonderful the aesthetics are great but the um you know the combination of the writing and the direction and then just getting to watch these amazing actors inhabit these roles like i everyone is terrific but Kate Blanchett and Rose Byrne are particularly great. Uzo Duba, okay, Kate Blanchett is, of course, playing Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, Rose Byrne is playing Gloria Steinem. Uh, you've got Tracy Ullman as Betty Friedan. You've got uh, Uzo Duba as Shirley Chisholm. You've got Margot Martindale, Margot Martindale as an organizer whose name I don't know. <laughs> um, not to mention, like, everyone in the cast is someone, um, down to, like, housewife number three. And it's just the material is just so good and it's incredibly resonant and relevant right now. So yeah, it's there. And like you said last time, I also agree. They are balancing the looking back with our lens now element. Well, so that it's pointed and clearly there's a point of view here, but it doesn't feel as didactic or as um, uh, preachy as it easily could. Uh, so yes, the notion of, <laughs> I mean, I live in Illinois and Ginny Ives is going to be running in in my con congressional district. So the notion of underestimating a uh, far a far right conservative uh, who I can't imagine anyone voting for in Illinois uh, who is not lost on me. And then Ginny Ives is going to have a lot of support, tremendous support. And I really, really hope <laughs> that she's not going to be my congressperson. And I will be doing a lot to try to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, but like, there are very, some very pointed things here uh, and lessons to learn about now from then. And I mean, I think it could be a, a bit more nuanced, but I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how much you could add to like be understanding towards the people who are underestimating Schlafly without it feeling like, like being frustrating for the viewers, you know? So like, that's a tricky thing to balance so that it doesn't feel like the characters are too smart, or at least the one character whose job it is to like point out that the other people are overlooking stuff feel too smart for their time or like too ahead of their time um, versus everyone being surprised by it. And then it just feels out of touch and 
frustrating to watch. So like, I think they're doing a good job with all of that. And I mean, just the, the soundtrack. Yes, it's on the nose. I don't care though. It's so good. No, it's good. The it's, needle drops are good. Very, very good. And oh, God, the hair and the look, like, you know, they all had fun with that. Like the, yeah. the like everybody, like costumers, hair, makeup, set design, everything. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really great stuff. <sighs> let's go on to our next show. And that's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which has season finale lights out. And somehow, I didn't connect to the fact that, of course, we were going to have our our next generation of uh, Santiago Peralta, uh, the Santiago and Peralta family, uh, be born in the finale. But of course it is. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And I thought this was a really charming and fun finale. I loved it. And yes, it's a lot of beats that we're familiar with. And yes, it's like staples of the genre. And no, I don't care because they executed them really well. Is this Holt the Holt uh, that the show started with? No, this is a ridiculous parody of the Holt we started the show with. Who and he has lost much, if not all, of his depth. But I don't care when it's this when it's this funny. I'm okay with that at the, at season seven. If the show had ended, you know, a few years sooner, it would have been this more rounded, nuanced character. Now it's around. It's a excellent performance, but doesn't make. It- <laughs> any sense with who the person started out as it's it's that sitcom caricature x number of seasons in but i don't care when i get to watch andre brower dance to push it so yeah i'm very okay with that what did you think about this finale i do agree that um a for whatever reason i didn't think that we'd get a birth of the birth of mac Mm -hmm. um in this episode but i also just generally really appreciated the fact that not only is this a big whole father can't get to the birth in time sort of episode, which is, as you said, a sitcom staple, but also naming the kid Mac after John McClane from Die Hard. And then the whole hullabaloo of trying to get to where Amy is in this episode just made me go, Oh, this is just one big send up of the mad about you birth episode of Mabel, which features Bruce Willis with a head injury telling Paul Reiser how to navigate the vents of a hospital. (laughs) And in my brain, I'm just like the layers upon layers of sitcom in this episode are just really delightful. Even if I don't know that they're intended because I don't know how many people just remember and love mad about you to a certain degree because it's just been out of like circulation, but that really hit. But then just the weird silliness of the, the drunk trolley, the racist, horrible old lady. With a gun. With the gun. How else am I supposed to protect myself? The police are whips now. Um, and everything else is just like, it's very good. Um, even down to how they crack the bank robbery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but speaking of police brutality, like we talked about today in Lucifer and people just kind of being okay with it, calling it out, but at the same time benefiting from the information. Um, happens here. Uh, so I, it's still a really funny episode and I like all the stuff in the, in the precinct as well. I think it's really great. And everything with Rosa and page 53. Um, <laughs> oh, but did you also think of crazy ex-girlfriend when they started yes. talking about mu- mucus plugs and the, the bloody show? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I did. So no, it's, it's a very good finale. It's very good. And I agree with everything you said about Holt. Um, and sometimes I do care and sometimes I do mind it. Mm-hmm. But other times, yeah, no, you get him dancing to the salt and pepper, and I'm I'm not going to complain about that. I just I can't. I really can't. I also can't complain about him 
thinking that Terry's pecs are Terry's lungs. <laughs> I can't complain about that either, even though that doesn't make any sense from a character perspective. It's still really delightful. It's still very funny. Have you seen Terry Crews? It's very funny. <laughs> and just the, the dynamic between the two of them in the elevator was was a lot of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Uh, next up is the Superstore finale, California Part 1. And this, like I said earlier, it was a surprisingly effective Part 1 finale, considering they didn't intend it to be. Uh, I still think um, the show, I'm dubious about how the show's going to handle uh, not having Amy next season yeah but i feel like this is about as good of a way you're gonna write that character out as any and i think that they earned that here um they're gonna have trouble not writing out jonah which i imagine what part two is supposed to do and what the premiere will do when um whenever they if yeah yeah do it when if if, yeah uh so that'll be interesting i don't see a reasonable or believable way they can do that except unless they like have his mom get sick or something. So like some family reason that he can't go and mm-hmm. she can't just move with them considering, you know, Amy's new insanely high paid job. But anyways, that's for the writers to figure out. The other stuff here I thought worked pretty well. I liked um, a long overdue bit of tension with Mateo and Cheyenne Um Considering she's supposed to be 21 now and he is much, much older, it that never seems to come up. The age gap never seems to come up in a meaningful way. And so I thought this was an effective place to do that. Uh, I also liked Dina being just like very upset about Amy leaving, but she's keeping that. She's compartmentalizing all that because she's at work now. I think all this, these different beats worked really effectively. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a strong season and I'm... Yeah. I'm looking forward to next season because the show has earned my trust, but I am very uncertain as to how they're going to handle not having America Ferreira because she is definitely the lead of the show. So we'll see. Yeah. I really liked how the hiring, uh, like the promotion within Zephyr and the move to California baked into the larger issues of like labor and class the show has done really really well especially over the last two seasons um and how that becomes a conversation about am i just supposed to stay here i've been here for 17 years i i this this is if i don't do this this is it and how that just really resonates with given where where amy is and also like the tension of jonah of where do I fit into this? Do I fit into this? How does this square with what I've been doing here and what I've been trying to do for the store and what we've been trying to do for the store? And I really appreciate how all those threads kind of culminated in this job offer of, can you make a difference with within that company? And how does that work? So I, I'm, I'm really interested to see, even though Amy won't be present if she's, present in some way going forward and i think that's an interesting thing for the show to explore everything else is pretty solid i think the cheyenne mateo stuff i think is funny it's fine it's the least interesting thing in this episode really um warren ash just kills this episode like that fit forced smile of (laughs) no i'm dying inside is just was just kind of gut wrenching uh, to for her to acknowledge that she's devastated that Amy's going to leave. Basically, I just love that um, the way that Ash gets that across without milking it in any way, shape, or form. It's deeply effective. 
Um, and then the thing that we haven't talked about is the weirdest subplot in this episode, which is the whole Glenn fo- foisting a foster child on um, Sandra. And then it working? And <laughs> just their bond kind of immediately happening. And I'm just like, I don't, none of this works. None of this makes any sense. And yet that whole thing at the end where he calls her mom and I'm just like, Oh, like my heart just kind of melted a little bit. And I just went, this is all very weird, but they sold it. Oh yeah. How the (laughs) fact that it's so weird is what makes it so perfectly Sandra. Right. Like that's why it works. And that, that little moment of performance, I mean, exactly right and i look forward to what the, what her new their new son and his three sharks that don't have names of course uh are gonna bring to those like because they're sharks right is gonna bring to the dynamic like on that little corner of the show and yes. the show's universe so it's yeah it's pretty fun i yeah i really enjoyed that <laughs> any uh final thoughts on superstore or shall we head to ducktales no ducktales tell me about ducktales kate because you're you're caught up now Yes, I'm caught up now. And I do think the back-to-back alt-reality episodes was a bit much. But I did like the 90s one episode, a sitcom episode. I thought that was fun. I just wouldn't have gone from, like, we're in an alternate reality to right to the C, like the, the James Bond the episode. VR. Yeah. VR. You know, because you'd think that after that adventure, they might be a little hesitant about going into an alternate <laughs> reality, you know, uh, especially when, when it seems to be, you know, really catching. Like, you'd think that we'd blurring their lines for them a little bit. But uh, I did think it was a, a strong first several episodes. Uh, I, I loved the music in the Bond episode. Like, yeah. the, the Bond theme that they did, ah, oh, terrific. And excellent vocal stylings as well, shall we say. Um yeah, just the the cinematography, or that's I don't know if that's the right word. The animation and like storyboarding the way, and the animation, storyboarding. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, use the let's not be <laughs> absolutely incorrect in my language. The storyboarding and like like the the backlit and like across the blue sky for the big dive, like great, so perfectly. Um, James Bond. I liked the various cameos that you had hinted at. Those were terrific. <sighs> Man, Zukas. Always good. Always Just good. The totally wrong voice for that character, but I don't care. Don't care. I don't care. I always <laughs> will enjoy Manzuka showing up, regardless of the genre. Just give that man more work. Um, th- yeah, it was it was a really strong first three episodes. I'm very glad it's it came back firing on, on all cylinders. Uh, and then this week we have Lost Heart of Mervana, and this was a, a another really fun episode. I liked Retta as the harp. I was like, I know that voice. It's not Audra McDonald, but I kind of want to say it is, but I know that it's not. Who is it? Uh, I was trying to tell just by the singing, and it's because I have, I've heard Retta sing. She's got an amazing voice, but only a few times. And so that's why it took me a little second to place, to place her. But, uh, I thought that the, the concept of the harp that sings, but only, only speaks the truth. Uh, the notion that that could get old quick <laughs> was appropriate. I also liked the the fibbing, fibbing, fibbing for uh, as grandma tries to like she was like some harp, some things we need to lie to kids about, and that's okay. Uh, that was all very good. I also liked. Uh, I thought it was an effective way to sideline Della to have her like traumatized about fish for whatever reason about just underwater life. Um, and yeah, it was it was fun. It was a good one. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was like a little checked out during this episode. So a lot of it just didn't land, but Mm -hmm. I really did like the harp 
a lot. Um, Brennan does a great job in it. And I like the idea of just like, like you said, truth telling harp just get really tired really fast. <laughs> um, but the other thing is, it's just like, are they setting up like serious tensions between Beakley and Web- Webby in this episode for like to exploit future stuff of like, is she really her grandmother? Cause it doesn't seem like we're setting, we're setting that up to not be the case. I feel like. Um, so I'm curious to see how they're going to play out those particular tensions going forward. Cause that, that felt too developed within this episode to not be something else. It could be just this episode or it could very easily be a major yeah. through line for the season or like eventual like gut punch. Like, yeah, can, you know, the, the, because the show has shown had like just how effective they are when they want to go for those more dramatic emotional beats. Um, they've shown that they understand the emotional maturity and, and complexity that uh, children show constantly in their daily lives, but seem to never really experience on TV. Um, so so, yeah, we'll see. I, I hope not, but I also would expect it <laughs> or would not be surprised right. if that's where they were going. Um, we will see. Uh, next we have what we do in the shadows and brain scramblies. And, uh, yes, <gasps> cosine. The first two episodes were delightful. And this one with them going for a superb owl bowl. Uh, just like, first of all, that's. No, to see a superb owl. Oh, they're going to a, a su- su- I thought it was a superb owl party. Yes, yes. Herb Owl Power. Yeah. Party, yes. yes. Just very fun, delightful. I liked the the reveal of Janie, <laughs> and I liked. Um, I mean, I think the resolution, like, not all of it worked as well for me, but like, just the the, the wall of Ocean's Twelve memorabilia oh, and God. the details throughout is just perfect. it's just such a funny show. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, no, everything with, like, the Super Bowl party, I think, is pretty funny. And I like the brain scramblies, um, whole aspect of it. But I also really like how this season in particular, but even though it's been a particular, like, part of her character, the way in which they keep kind of layering Nadja's, um, history and making that a real central tenet of who she is and how she responds to the world um and how it keeps like infringing on them i really really like how that keeps coming into play here and this episode's no different so i really like everything with the old woman and the necklace and just i think that's all really delightful but i'm also just surely delighted by all the vampire hunter stuff kate (laughs) like that whole band of misfits i'm very excited about but i also like the through line of coming back to um the familiar that uh, from season one would have been familiar from season one if that actor hadn't gotten so famous. Beauty Feldman, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, gotten like famous and busy. Um, so I like how that kind of baked in because I saw that character and went, I know who that girl is, but I don't know who she is. And then it was just like, ah, we didn't forget. Mm-hmm. Like, Thank you, show. Thank you. But also, oh boy, that, that one guy just wants to get laid. Yeah. just wants to get laid so bad but little does he know he has the right idea <laughs> he's not wrong that's the thing it's like they're he's not like, wrong they're telling him to stop being, cre- being creepy but he's not wrong um i did yeah the the craig robinson showing up and i was like oh oh great this is yay good it means we're gonna be, i assume that means we're gonna be seeing all these people again uh very excited well, yeah, for that also what's her name from um orange is the new black mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and so it's just like they cast too many like faces for that little group. And it's just like, oh, these folks have to be back. But also just the crossbow joke was just 
I love this show, Kate. I love this show very much. I can't remember who, but I saw some, and I feel bad about this. Apologies if you're listening or you know this person and you're listening. Someone was talking about on Twitter that about what we do in the shadows hitting very differently right now because like so many of us who don't live alone have been with our like roommates too long. Oh God, that's such a good point. Oh my God. So like this notion of like, you can't escape your roommates uh, just really means something different right now. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's delightful. And I I also really appreciate that they don't resolve Jake McDormand's, uh, the character has other names. Who cares? Limitless guy, Jake McDormand. Yeah. Uh, His, his issues so that he can come back, I assume in another episode with the doll. (laughs) Let's, let's not talk about that doll because too creepy <laughs> too creepy man too, too creepy. creepy but yeah it's yeah. very good <laughs> it's very good well that wraps up our week in comedy and drama now we'll take a break listen to some more music and come back with our week in reality and genre we'll be right back after this This week in reality and genre, we're going to talk a little bit about the premiere of We're Here, Gaysburg, Pennsylvania, and then very quickly, RuPaul's Drag Race Droop before we catch up with Top Chef All-Stars LA, Get Your Fill. Then we'll go over to genre for The Flash, The Long and Good Night, and we're going to round things out, of course, with Legends of Tomorrow. Zari, not Zari. Uh, so first up, oh, yeah, we love it. First up, though, is We're Here. And what did you, I mean, I, I clearly, I was a big fan of this one. My review is pretty glowing. I was a little worried that it wasn't going to live up to that, but I, then I rewatched the premiere. And I was like, no, I stand by it. And everybody else seems to have liked it more than I did, so. Um, at least everybody who was talking about it on Twitter last night. Um, and there's a particular storyline, one of the three uh, normals, I guess, in this episode, um, non one of the three dry drives in this episode that I had a much more negative reaction to than Twitter seems to have. So I'm I'm curious if you're going to be in the same place as I am with that. But what what did you think of this? Because I, I, I don't know. I have a sense that maybe this is not as much your show as it is my show. I think it's fine. Um, and it's definitely something I'll probably like watch, but it's not going to be something I go out and seek immediately. Um, mainly because I think that one of my big problems, at least with the premiere of Gettysburg is the, for me, I need like a bit more narrative. So I need like maybe like fewer locals Mm -hmm. or I need the Queens together more often. Um, so that's Bob the Drag Queen, Shangela and Erica. Eureka. Eureka. Thank you. Um, so I need like those, I need them together a bit more, I think as well. Um, but two things I will say is that one, I think it's really compelling and really interesting to see a show like this and particularly centered on drag queens, both as a 
HBO prestige documentary series that gets that very high gloss look to it, which is not normally how we get to see these stories told. Um, and I think that really kind of changes our perception of things and our reception of those things. And I think that's really interesting and something that I want to keep thinking about while I keep watching the show. But I'm very fascinated by that shift of from a like HD cable channel VH1 logo to a HD HBO gloss and what that looks like with like heavy natural lighting and this kind of that kind of a vibe I think is really interesting and really something to start thinking about a little bit as the show goes on. Um, And then the other thing is the degree to which that we do a weird kind of fab five queer eye sort of thing and the degrees to which those stories work. And um, I didn't read your review because I didn't want to read it uh, before you and I discussed it. I try to avoid doing that with the exception of Drag Race because I read your Drag Race reviews to remind me what the fuck happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I, some things just, I think, don't either get enough time to breathe, which is why I want fewer of them. Like that whole discussion about a straight ally plus blackness within Gettysburg feels like it's something that needs to be unpacked more and does not get very unpacked within this episode. And I think that's a real loss within this episode. At the same time, I don't know how much and how well I fully appreciate the stuff that they do with uh, What's-Her-Name and her daughter who came out. And because of the very nature of the daughter's resistance to even sort of being on the show and engaging with her mother really limits what they can do and the degree to which we feel any sort of fulfillment from that narrative is short-circuited by that and that's producing but it's also honest um so i don't love it as like a storyline in this particular episode it makes me kind of uncomfortable and just i it's not great um but mainly because for me it makes it about the mom and not about the daughter um, and that's a really hard thing for me to reconcile with the intent, the announced purpose of what that was supposed to do. So is that what, is that the storyline that you had yeah. an issue with here? Definitely. Okay. Like, it's, yeah, it's not close. <laughs> yeah. I figured because it can't be Hunter because Hunter's great. Hunter's uh, amazing. And the drag they put the dad in, which I saw some people like saying, oh, they, it's too bad they couldn't get him. Like, yeah, that's drag. Of course that's drag. No, yeah, it's, it's just, like, it's perfect i like see i really like all of the interacting with the local stuff i thought that stuff was great that i really enjoyed that but uh i also would have liked more time with daryl uh darylina of the house of joneses is god that name is just gold (laughs) and like listening him like work his way to joneses is was like oh it was so good it was chef's kiss it was very good um the the trouble you know and it would have been interesting to see this exact same storyline this exact same like drag daughter handled by eureka at the end of the season because this was the first episode they filmed too this was like like their first like when they get out and and walk around gettysburg in full drag that was their first day of filming um so like there were there were just while in general eureka and bob and shangela are excellent with their drag daughters like they're you know something i talked about in my review they're all reality stars so they know how to do reality tv they know how they're performers they're used to interacting with the public right so they're very good at all that stuff but this the stuff with with erica was far too centered in her experience 
and not near like when they're talking about like you know i haven't seen my daughter in eight months or any that kind of a thing what was missing was some sort of while the like eureka and the producers go out of their way to not condemn i want to say Haley, right the daughter for that in any way there isn't a validation of her that i think they really needed it's like well yeah it's been eight months but for her remember it's been much much longer it's been years it's been years that she did not feel supported by you and, and and like the fact that that erica is making these 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 motions and these efforts and these like like what seems or is portrayed as a longer term effort to regain her daughter's trust and to show that she was wrong and and fully acknowledge all these mistakes that she made that's great but that doesn't automatically win you your daughter back. That's not how it works. And um, so the just more validation of you need to be doing this for her and not for you because you miss your daughter Um, and you want to have your daughter in your life. Like they, they talked about her saying, I'm sorry, you know, like really acknowledging that she was wrong and that she's sorry, but that's not nearly enough. And, and when they talked about, you know, finding out later that Haley had been there at Pride and knew that the mom was doing free mom hugs, but she turned around and walked away. Even just like a line from, even just like a quick thing from Eureka. Well, she's not, she wasn't ready. And, you know, she wasn't ready yet, but it's still, she still saw you there and that matters. And, you know, and, and the note, or the, just the notion that that, even though that is what Erica thinks is the right thing to do and as she her way of trying to make amends, that could be even more frustrating for her daughter. It's like, oh, you will hug these strangers, but you wouldn't hug me for all those yeah. years. You know, like, yeah. It, so there was not nearly, for my, in my opinion, not nearly enough of an awareness from Eureka as the host who was interacting, you know, in that corner of the show with this is a grand gesture. Yes. So like, and a grand gesture is lovely, but a grand gesture at a certain point is meaningless because it's one day. And the much more important thing is what you're doing every single day. Um, and so, like, while I saw a lot of people on Twitter who responded, who, like, burst into tears and really responded very emotionally to the reveal of the dress and everything during the lip sync, to me, it just kind of pissed me off. Yeah, same. Because it was, look at me and look at how much I love my daughter. And that's not the point. That's again seeking attention and forgiveness and wanting wanting the everyone to forgive you as opposed to you wanting to earn like like acknowledging everything that she's done wrong. And so while I don't doubt, like it's very possible that the mom is coming from a good place, she's just in so much pain. Um, and she's in such a difficult place right now, having lost her relationship with her daughter that she can't see any of that stuff. I don't put that so much on on the mom in that moment so much as the show and the hosts to mm-hmm. try to 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 bring that perspective and bring that nuance. And maybe with Eureka having lost uh well, I'm mean, gonna say his in my drag race because I always use her for everything, but you know, throughout the episode we see uh David go by David, so I'm gonna say him. Having David having lost his mom so recently before this, I'm sure can't help but impact it yes. in, a, in a meaningful and a powerful way. I think way. that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like there was some um, it was interesting following reactions online because some people were like, 
fully team Haley, fuck off mom. And some people were like, go give your mom a hug. I wish I had my mom. And, and I, you know, so many of us would, would just do anything to be able to have our moms back. And I think, you know, whatever reaction you're going to have, that's completely understandable. For me, I wanted the show to come down a little, just like a little bit more awareness of it's not her job to forgive you. It is your job to show every day that you understand that you were wrong and to try to earn that back. And that's not something you, you do in one drag performance. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's not a lot of work that the show can't demonstrate. And like, that's something that like, particularly like the most immediate comparison of this kind of makeover thing, this queer eye right now that demonstrates the degree to which people kind of put into the work. And there are also like any number of interviews that kind of come out when that season comes out, that kind of digs in deeper to some of their more fraught type stuff. Um, And I didn't check to see if there had been anything along those lines here, but also just everyone's talking about so many different things right now. Um, But yeah, it just, it didn't click. And it was, it was rough, but I also appreciated like the cuts to Haley kind of going, I'm not sure this is the correct choice that you've made, mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. the audience, which, yeah. but I just needed that to be, I think, a bit more overt. But it would have disrupted their triumph narrative of, of what they were trying to achieve as a show. And they weren't ready to do that, which I think is also a failure on the show's part. Yeah. I will say that this is my least favorite of of, the- of them. Of the, okay. I've seen the first three Have episodes. You seen, okay, I was about to ask how many you'd seen. Yeah, and so the next episode has uh, w- one of the queens is mentoring a trio of local queens. Okay. Uh, uh, so there actually is a drag scene <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, which is awesome. And then one is a uh, trans man and his wife. And one is a straight uh, male singer. And okay. uh, and so, the, and you know, I think there's some really interesting issues. Like, so like, I, and I really liked the live show too at the end. I thought it was so fun. Each of the episodes is a really strong live show at the end. And so for me, like the second episode is better than the first episode and the third episode is better than the second episode. So I'm, I don't know why they didn't give us all of them. Um, I'm a little worried about that, but I really like these first three. So we'll be, I'll be curious to your thoughts uh, when you get around to watching more of it. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? I also really liked the, the little bit it toys with in Hunter's part of the episode about his father actively fleeing his physical appearance when he was young they don't go out and say it but like toy kind of edge around the topic of safety being worried that he would get attacked because he was pretty and the fact that the show didn't like they there was a lot of really good stuff in that part of it but i i was surprised that that shangela didn't key it a little bit more into that at least in the stuff footage that we were given or like in, yes. vo- in voiceover that it was a survival tactic that he yeah. so f- completely transformed his physical appearance um because he was very it sounds like very concerned for his safety looking yeah. the way that that hunter does when he was young so yeah that was an interesting thread so there, there's a lot of really interesting things uh within we're here if you want to pick at it. Um, and if you don't, it's pretty and shiny and sparkly. Uh, as is RuPaul's Drag Race. And our episode this week is Droop, which is their sell products episode. Um, and we say goodbye to Jan. <sighs> what did you think of this episode? I think it's funny. Um, I enjoy like the faux infomercials. Um, Jackie's just so good. <laughs> 
just nailed that infomercial experience really, really nicely. So I really enjoyed it. Um, but mostly, I mean, I hate saying this because I've actually really enjoyed Jan's drag and Jan's performance so far. But I'm also glad that Jan's out of her misery. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was, was not going to give her any of the wins. No, just absolutely was not. Like, it was very clear from the get-go. It's just like, no matter how good your drag is, you're not going anywhere. You don't have the narrative um, that she wants. Yeah. So, like, I'm glad Jan's just out of her misery, even though I'm very upset with, like, I'm not very upset. I'm just very annoyed with mm-hmm. the treatment of her in the editing and in the narrative of this particular um, season of, like, no, you did really good work and you just didn't get acknowledged for any of it because mm-hmm. you're not Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In Pretty a much. season of Marsha's, you're G-G, very G-G, much. Gigi, Yeah. Um, who just really horribly aside from the runway look which is great mm-hmm. as you pointed out uh but their um video is like aggressively bad i did like the face that that she pulled when she was passing out it was it was yeah. so uh, like not vain you know yeah um but yeah not as good and, and i don't even think it was a terrible video there has been some way worse videos <laughs> yes no but within this season as you point out there's not a lot of room for error Mm-hmm. because everyone's pretty top tier stuff so having even like as you said like a safe video especially at this point in the season isn't going to cut it um hence like widow's real struggle in this episode um even though it ends up fine um again i remain flummoxed by when we get to see sherry's stuff i remain flummoxed by sherry's just general existence on a number of levels, but within the show, I'm just like, that commercial was boring and had nothing to it. Also, I don't really like your runway look. It's very safe. Um, so I'm like, I don't know why you're still here. <laughs> um, I did love that runway though. Oh man. Yeah, it's an amazing runway. Crystal, yeah. Jan, oh, they all looked amazing. Yeah, no, it was a really, really good runway. Um, like just delightfully smart and really interesting stuff on that yeah. runway. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next episode, Choices 2020, <laughs> which is their right. political one. So. Right, the debate episode that's got Rachel Bloom and um, who's the other person? Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, right? Oh, okay, sorry. Can't get too excited. Anyway, go on. More Tell on that me- next week. Yeah. <laughs> next, we're going to talk about Top Ship All-Stars LA. And we're going to keep it pretty quick. Um, I am enjoying... Uh, this episode is Get Your Fill with with the Philharmonic. And, like, I, my first reaction was, you're going to cook dinner for 60 of the members of the Phil. I was like, oh, that's that's harsh. That's not nearly the whole orchestra. And then I realized it's because they that's how many people they can fit in, in the restaurant. Yes. <laughs> so, I was like, I was like, who are you not inviting? So that like who gets, you know, anyways. Um the the all the judging in this episode where they were trying to make these really belabored relations to music, they were terrible. They yes. were really bad. Like you could tell that there was some stretching in the art one the art episode but like it was just bad like oh like melody and harmony have to work together it's like wow wow like does nobody on staff have any musical terms like because they don't melody and harmony don't work together melody does its thing and harmony overlays with like literally that's what it is if the melody is working with the harmony it's not the melody like oh my god anyways it was very awkward and it did yeah. not work well. Um, but 
I, I had two other things I wanted to mention. Uh, I've been appreciating when they go to judges table, there is an apostrophe at the end of judges. And I feel like yes. that is new this season. I don't know if it's new or not this season, but I, we should go back and one of us should go back and look, not it. Uh, <laughs> Because I feel like it was always like judges table, but I don't remember there be, and maybe it's just because they changed the font, and so it's just more clear. More, but like yeah. I, I was like, oh, yay! My grammar nerd heart is very happy. And the other thing that I want to mention is that I, it's really annoying, um, but it's kind of nice to have a villain. Uh, yes, and it, there hasn't been a Weirdly, villain in yeah. a while, and yeah. Malarkey is so obnoxious. Uh, yeah, I, he's he's a very obnoxious uh, presence this season um regardless of what that if that's what he's actually like or not because he, he's also very reality show savvy so he's yes undoubtedly playing it up uh to get more screen time and everything but uh yeah he's obnoxious and that does significant significantly impact my viewing and probably for the better as much as i can't wait for him to get eliminated right yeah no i mean like his whole like going for a villain edit i think is really interesting uh because like you said the show hasn't really done this sort of thing in no small part because like clickio um and padma have both been kind of pushed back against that kind of reality show editing uh pretty early in the show's run but then malarkey's just going for it Mm -hmm. and the judges seem to kind of be rewarding it at the same time in terms of like how they're talking to everyone uh, so I'm I'm really interested in that going forward. Um, I have not had a chance to watch Last Chance Kitchen yet uh, because the on-demand presence for that episode just for that series is very sporadic. Yeah. Um, but I was very sad about Nini and Karen going home, um, being eliminated for this because I like both of them a great deal. Um, but also that play just kind of looked like a little bit of a mess. So, mm-hmm. but all told listeners, I just really wanted Kate to complain about the music stuff. Cause that's all <laughs> I really, that's all I really wanted out of this little bit. Yeah, it's very so we should move on to the next show. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk the flash. Really quick. I don't have a lot to say about the flash. Um, yeah. Other than I'm just very ready for them to get things going. And yes. I, I, I think that they actually did a really good job of having fake Iris overplay her hand. Yes. In this episode, they thought they paced that just right to the point where the episode ends. And I was like, this, I still think the episode should have ended on a note of that's not Iris. Yeah. And it's not, it looks from the trailer, like the next episode begins on the note of that's not Iris. And yeah. I think it would have been more satisfying if they had done it the other way. Um, yes, I agree. But, but I, but I think it made sense. It's it speaks to what they know and don't the bad guys know and don't know about Barry and Iris and and it yeah. So I, I thought it was actually handled really well, and I liked what we were getting throughout this. Um, even if there's it's too fractured, there's too many characters. I'm not all that invested in what's happening now, but I'm ready for whatever's going to come next. Right, and I think that the other thing that this episode does well is tying in the Sue Dearborn stuff mm-hmm. into the McCullough plot. Which is, I think, really important, uh, considering that that needed to happen in some capacity since um, Dibney's been off in his own show this season. Um, so tying that back into the McCulloughs, I think, is really, really a good idea. So that I really appreciated. Um, my partner was half watching this episode while I was watching it this morning or yesterday morning and was just immediately drawn to the performance for Sue, which I really appreciate because that, that actor's doing like a fun job playing that character. 
Um, and it's really delightful. But yes, no, I am also ready for everything to kind of kick into a gear or as much as a gear as it's going to kick into, considering I don't know how many more they got to shoot before they had to shut down. Um, so I'm curious about what kind of resolution, if any, we're going to get with this plot line. But I am ready for things to be into something interesting and also then to make this artificial speed force because i do like the tension that they have there about i can't use my powers Mm -hmm. and that's interesting because i want more of that and i'm ready for the show to start really embracing that now that he's basically out of gas yeah yeah we'll see what what comes with the next episode but yeah those um the adventure part of the episode was pretty pretty fun and it was a good way of for at least a little bit making her more dangerous and then like being like no you know she's gonna be charming so she can be a series regular that's what's happening Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and and having cisco like ready with the banter was a great way to go with that it's fun yes our last show of the week is legends of tomorrow zari not zari and i also i only have a few thoughts on this one as well because i had a very strong negative reaction to this episode when i watched it for a Mm -hmm. couple reasons um and I and with more reflection, I'm fine and and or really like actually almost all the episode. Once I came to terms with the fact that uh, I mean I've given you time to skip ahead, but Birod cannot stay dead. Yeah. Um, and as long as he's not staying dead, then I'm more okay with it. It just felt very cruel the way that they handled him in this episode. If they were ac- if he was going to actually be like stay killed off to give us Zari and to give our Zari like resolution on saying yes you did save your brother so like therefore it's worth it being stuck inside this totem you know forever because you saved your brother and then no he's dead now (laughs) you know like there was um it just and and also to kill off a character to kill off a legend not in their episode and not with any agency right that's not that's not what the show does and that's not why we watch this show so i was very frustrated with that and the other thing um that I was frustrated with is all the supernatural stuff because I kept waiting for there to be a more interesting and mm-hmm. clever reason that they were doing it. And so I like when I was like, Oh, okay. So it's obvious that that's not Constantine, right. It's being very clear. Uh, so they, they can, they've picked up on that. So that's why they're walking over to the supernatural set because like, they're going to pull a fast one on the sister and that that's why it's set and the filming set. Oh, no. Oh, it's not. There's no reason for it to be set there. Oh. And we're not going to have a cameo from any of the actor. Why did they do that? (laughs) The only cameo we get is the car, which don't get me wrong. That's an iconic TV car. But I just kept waiting for something more clever or funny or interesting. And Legends usually does this kind of stuff way better. So for me, it was that was really distracting in that part of the show. I love the mixed stuff, though. Yeah, so I'll take both of those. One, I really like, I disagree in that, yes, I do think that the, um, I like how they, if even if he's not dead, I like how they kill Barad, um, mm-hmm. Barad in this episode, in part because it's all about fate and choice, um, and that the ways in which that intersect as we're dealing with goddesses of fate. Um, and so the way, how that happens, I think works really, really well here. I, I understand where you're coming from and I actually don't disagree with you in terms of it. It's weird for it to not have any like agency 
um, within the episode in which they die. Because that's not how, like you said, that's not how the show works. Um, so I do feel like that they're definitely going to bring him back in some capacity. Um, I mean, he's, I feel like he's in the previews yeah. for the next couple of episodes. Well, I don't need him to even be on the show. I just need him no. to not be dead. And then I'm yeah. fine. I'm not actually all that invested in the character. <laughs> yeah. Even though I think that they've done a really good job of making that character feel like he's been on the show for two seasons when he's mm-hmm. only been on it for seven or eight episodes. I just, that's really ridiculous that he feels as lived in as the rest of these characters do. Um, so, but I still like it as like a concept, um, as this is how he died of like getting the fate of chain or however that the string of fate pulled out of him. I think that's really interesting. The supernatural stuff I think is a very sort of delightful, but half-hearted love letter to a beloved CW defining show that is no more. And I mean, I think there's a plenty of good jokes here. Like I love the idea that Dean is Sarah's hall pass. Like, that's just amazing. But I think that the fact that there's not much more to it than the car is a little frustrating, apart from the fact that the entire crew is dead and they're zombies now. It's a little unclear. And why would those be actual weapons? They wouldn't be weapons. They would be props, which would very intentionally... Which is what, which is what I said to my partner when they grabbed the bag out of the trunk. I just went, those aren't going to be real weapons, Sarah. Do you just want them for your closet to have like supernatural stuff for them to sign at a convention? Yeah. Um, so that was a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, I agree that it just didn't go quite far enough. But also, like, they don't have the budget to get any of them to come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and that's why I was like, okay, so what are they going to do with like a set or filming or something? Yeah. Like, what's there going to be? They're clever. And then there just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It was very strange. Um, was there anything else? Right. So the other, like, one thing, but two things, but they're related is I like the fact that the woman helping um, Astrid is one of the other goddesses of fate. I think that's a nice way to bake in a long-term villain. The thing that bugs me though, is our other fate who gets sucked into the time vortex here. I really like her little bone knife things. Mm -hmm. Like they're very cool, but I also couldn't help but go, why doesn't she just have like a disjointed pair of scissors because she's a goddess of fate? Like, (laughs) How is that not the thing? Well, how did um, those knives not click together, you know? Right, exactly. To make, like, a scissor of some kind. And it's just like, that's what needs to happen. It feels like a missed opportunity. Um, and then that gets into the other thing of what I've been waiting for all season. Of Sarah has a power now of some mm-hmm. sort. Which is something that they they said, like, right at the start of the season that they were going to explore as a result of the post-crisis thing. And I just kind of kept waiting for it to happen. And it never happened. So I just went, oh, maybe... Maybe they just scuttled the idea. But now I'm like, oh, she's got a thing. I'm really interested in what this thing is. Because mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. If it's because she's a paragon or if it's something else. Um, or if she's like bookmarked to be a specter or I don't know. But I'm interested in it all the same. So anything that gives uh, Katie, Katie lots more to do, I'm excited about. Yeah, there's, um, I've read a couple of things with it, back when they were first teasing that back in 2019 uh, around like in comic uh, comic-con like uh-huh. cir- circles they've been talking about it since then and so i'm actually a little concerned about it about uh them adding tension to add tension because it's this notion that it's boring to have happy people yeah um, but i'm sure that we will get back to where we want everyone yeah. to be before too long yes so. I still, I still very much enjoy uh, Legends. And like, oh man, as someone who has been trying to avoid the baked goods that keep appearing, oh. 
the delicious smelling baked goods that keep appearing in my house. The notion of, wait, do carbs count inside the (laughs) totem? No. Send me a totem so I can eat this olive oil orange cake that my mom made because it smells heavenly. Anyways, um, and I should just eat it anyways because it's good. It's worth it. Anyways, point being, Legends of Tomorrow. I'm tentative, but I'm very excited for the rest of the the episodes we're going to see because that trailer looked amazing. (laughs) Very excited. Uh, What wins your week in TV? Uh, Superstore's finale season finale i don't know how we're calling it right now it's we're in a weird state with television um but superstores finale i think wins my week in tv this week what about you you watched Uh, a lot of stuff i watched a lot of stuff yeah uh i think the one that i had the most fun with of like for single episode is probably the brooklyn 99 finale Mm-hmm. I also caught up with One Day at a Time when I was very happy to spend more time with the Alvarezes. But uh, yeah, I think I'll give I'll give some love to Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it was a delightful finale. Now we'll take a break and come back to talk about season one or hopefully just the entire series run of Briar Patch. We'll be right back after this. First time in St. Disgrace? I grew up here. Really? Well, you sure ain't got the luck. What's this? There was a breakout at the zoo. They've been making a mess of things ever since. Miss Dill, you really have been gone a long time. Twelve years. You stick around? Till I find out what happened to my sister. <gasps> oh. What the hell happened? It appears someone just blew up the landlady. Terribly sorry about your sister. Thank you. She was a pretty good cop. I know things were complicated between you two. There is something that you ought to know. We're here to offer official condolences. Your sister was an exceptional person. Talk like you knew her. Better than you. Mercy. It is hot. Jake. There's always a dead girl. And what about the one who did the killing? From my experience, he always gets away with it. Who do you think killed her? Someone with money. Why? She found out something that could stop them from being rich anymore. We are declaring a manhunt. Lock your doors. We got this. See, that's what I like to hear. That was a trailer for Briar Patch, which just wrapped up its first season or hopefully series. Um, it, it's been it was a ten episode run, and uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the season, but it's been a while, so we thought we would spotlight it and see how the rest of the season paid off. And I think you were higher on the beginning of the season than I was, but from some of the things that we've kind of been saying as we talk around the topic to avoid spoilers for ourselves, I've been feeling I might be stronger on the end of the season than you are because I ended up actually really digging the back part of this of the season 
and had a lot of fun with it. So what, what did you think of Briar Patch uh, by the end of the season? How did it all come together for you? I think it actually ended up coming together really nicely. Listeners, when we were talking a little bit off like line about it, I had stopped watching it in a regular basis after like episode three, I think just because like timing and everything, just I wasn't watching it, which was February 24th when season episode three aired. And then I basically watched the remaining seven episodes this week. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's not the best way I think to watch this show. Um, and so like the middle section kind of sagged for me a little bit, but around like episode seven, which is butterscotch, um, which is when everything really kind of kicks into a different gear. I got much more invested and much more interested in everything else that the show was doing. So I ended up really keen on this show and not just because of the ambience and not just because of Rosario Dawson's performance, even though both of those things are great. But I think that generally there's a really good sort of cohesion to this series, which I was not expecting both from the show, um, like creatives, but also from just doing a noir. Cohesion is not necessarily a thing that you A, expect and B, necessarily want um but i think that briar patch does a really good job of achieving both of those things in that you want it and you end up needing it and so the show ends up being really really successful for me on just a number of different levels plus jesus christ alan coming um (laughs) just i mean he can do this role in his sleep but i think there's a lot of just really good performances across the board here so no i ended up very keen and high on this show as well by the end yeah, and that's that's the same thing. Yeah. So it sounds like you followed a very similar trajectory to what I did. And I kept watching it a few weeks longer than you did. So yeah. I, I had fewer episodes to do. Uh, and I started catching up with it last week. So I, you know, I was able to pace it out. And definitely this is not a show. <laughs> this is not a show that most people want to binge. Yeah, um, no, it's not a binge show, folks. Um, I mean, maybe the last couple episodes when it builds momentum. Yeah, but- last two to three, I think you can binge. But otherwise, one yeah. a day. It is a, yeah. Well, I mean, I also think, like, I think they did it in 10. I think you could have done it in 8. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that as well. And then that would have helped a lot because it definitely sags in the middle. Like, it starts out really interesting and intriguing. And then at a certain point, there's just some filler. Um, There's some, like, waiting for people to find things out so that the plot can move forward or dealing with red herrings or dealing with some other things. Um, And that is just distracts. And... By the last few episodes, like, I think my favorite episode is actually the second to last episode. Um, Timothy Simons shows up. And as as soon as I heard that voice, I was like, oh, that's Timothy Simons. I know that voice from covering Veep for so many years. I can't wait to see him on the show. Um, Yeah, the uh, there's there's a lot of really, really fun performances. But I think the visuals and the 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 like the 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 lighting and the approach to that like their to their wandering in the desert episode right and like being like using that metaphor and just taking it very literally uh was was really electric and fun I, that was that was my favorite episode i thought um and just the fact that they took things like the zoo animals which sometimes worked and sometimes didn't i didn't need the tiger <laughs> um but the camel was yeah. great uh you know the giraffe well, was great <laughs> The camel is one of those split things of it definitely could have been in the zoo, but it also could have just been a camel because that's a thing in Texas where there are actually just camels wandering around. My partner was explaining this to me of like 
some rich people got camels and then went, oh, we don't want camels anymore. So they just released them. Mm-hmm. So they're just camels wandering around parts of the Texas desert. Wow. Um, and so it's both and sort of situation in that instance. It's almost certainly not a zoo camel. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But yeah, but it, there's some really neat um, touches that flourishes that I think pay off in a big way towards the end of the of the season. Um, and yeah, so so I thought, I, you know, if you're watching and you get it starts to bog down for you around episode, yeah, episode four or five, you know, somewhere yeah. in there, um, I would say push through because I think the end of the season makes it makes it worth it. Um, let's see. I feel like. Every, every, the performances are all excellent. There's a lot of really great, fun stuff. Watch this show if you like noir and or want to can't be fun and or are a particular fan of Rosario Dawson, Jay Ferguson, or Kim Dickens or Alan Cumming. Yeah. yeah? Any other yeah. thoughts before we go to spoilers? Um, who else? Well, first, my partner's listening in and wanted me to correct myself of like it was the army that released the camels, not rich oh. people. Okay. So even worse, arguably. Um I think that, no, you've hit everyone. I think that does really, really good work here in terms of the actors. Um, yeah, even though Charles Purnell, who plays Cyrus, is also just like deep mm-hmm. in it. Um, and I really enjoy how he takes that very sort of stock noir character and really owns it in a really menacing, that really quiet menace. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just does really delightful things with barbecue and food. Mm-hmm. um in this in this series as well so yeah no let's go ahead and dig into uh spoilers okay so you've been warned if you don't want to be spoiled stop your pod catching device and uh okay so my my question the thing that i don't think that they ever resolved in a satisfactory way that i kept waiting to drop and would have been a traditional noir beat is i i don't think they ever sold singe coincidentally getting Rosario Dawson or getting Allegra out of the car. And did I miss something there? Because I kept waiting for us like, okay, and eventually they're going to reveal that, you know, he knew about the second car bomb, which is why, you know, and I kept, and then it didn't happen. So did I miss something? I mean, that was so long ago for me. That was so long ago for all of us. But like it did they didn't come back to it, right? In the second No, part they of never the show. they never circled back to it in any way, shape, or form that I can remember. Because that was like the second episode. Yeah. Um that I, or the first episode. I think it might have been the first episode. Um no, I don't think that they ever circle back to it in any way that kind of calls attention to it. And I think more than anything, it was less about a suspected car bomb and preventing her from getting into the car with the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Who then turns out to actually have been okay. Yeah. Who was actually an okay guy. Um, and, and I think that that was the reason why, but it's in my brain, it's foggy now. So I can't answer your question in a way that I feel like is satisfactory, but I understand where you're kind of coming from, from a noir issue since it's very much a one of those little weird dangling threads that noirs sometimes have but that you also because of how they tie up literally everything else it's a weird sort of thing to be thinking about yeah um i like though that he is just a good guy it's nice yes. that he's the good guy <laughs> yeah which um, is like but they also don't ever undercut that which is also really appreciated because that's it's very easy for him to have been involved the whole time 
mm-hmm. and just like chumming up with Allegra because that's what that character that's what that character type mm-hmm. is for, especially in this kind of a narrative. And to never ever be that is deeply impressive. I really like that subversion. Mm-hmm. I also, uh, yeah, because when I was mentioning actors that are reasons to seek this out, I mean, I think the entire cast is fantastic. There are just yes. only a few characters that I think get enough substantive material to really make yeah. it a reason for, like, if you like them, seek out the show. And obviously yes. Rosario Dawson is the star, and we're going to come back to her. But this, like, more than anything in a while, this has made me go, give Jay Ferguson so many things to do. He's so good here as as our, you know, I guess second lead. By the, yeah. by the time that he emerges as, like, a true partner co-lead in the show, he is so up to that a role. I mean, it takes a lot to match Rosario Dawson for charisma, and I think he does. For me, it really works. What did you think? Yeah, and I mean, as someone who has had very kind of limited experience with him since I didn't watch Mad Men, mm-hmm. um, and I've only seen like him in a couple episodes of The Real O'Neills, in which I think he's pretty funny in The Real O'Neills, but also The Real O'Neills was not a show I like actively enjoyed very much so this was really sort of like my first like prolonged experience with him um because i also have not been watching the connors which is he's also on there um but no he's really great and again like you said especially like especially in like the last like um three episodes yeah especially in like the last three episodes starting with like the high school um it's just really good um like everything all his scenes with particularly like his one big scene with alan coming in the high school where you really suddenly all a number of things really snap into focus because of a what they're writing but b what coming is giving yeah as like as on a performance level when he touches his face all of a sudden Everything. Everything. Yeah. Clicks in. Just clicks. And the, also the fact that coming just also keeps touching people's faces. Yeah. <laughs> is both deeply disturbing right now, but B um, is just like, oh, this guy's bad news. So I really just liked how all of that played into bits. And then to have the payoff that we get of infelicity and like, that struggle, that back and forth about after Calder um, shoots um, uh, Clyde, Alan Cummings' character, and the zone out of the dialogue and him trying to reconcile everything, but then compounding all of that with coming with uh, Clyde's discussion about, oh, you found a new commander, you should really hang on to her in reference to um, Dill. It's just like, it's all really good. And that character just immediately snaps into focus. Even if it feels a little too late, it also feels like exactly the right time in the same, in the same breath that I'm saying it's like, it's too late, but at the same time, it's exactly when it all needed to happen to make everything else kind of make sense. So I really, really liked and really responded to it. And and it also feels like the kind of thing, which I'm not going to do. I don't have the time right now. But if you went back and rewatched, it would mm-hmm. add layers. It would add depth, oh, and it would yeah. live up to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think so. And even like retroactively, of like having mainlined a lot of it, mm-hmm. just going, "Oh, this explains things in mm-hmm. a couple of different ways." It even 
really explains his idea to open up a fucking water park. <laughs> um, just the ways in which he's retreating and regressing in very mm-hmm. interesting ways, I think just works really, really well. Yeah. Next, let's sing the praises of Miss Kim Dickens. Uh, oh. Because again, talk about people who need material that, you know, is up to them and just... Yeah, I, I saw something, uh, an interview about with one of the directors or the writers or producers, somebody, or maybe it was Dawson, I don't know, somebody talking about how, like, the, the, like she she's more used, she was saying something about she, how she's more used to just, like, running from zombies recently, right? And, and they were giving her these monologues. Like, yeah, we started giving her these monologues, and then she was just nailing it. It was like, yeah, of course, it's Kim Dickens. Yeah, it's Kim, Kim Dickens, Dickens Kim, guys. Like, chew the crap out of a monologue if you let her, if it's appropriate. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, I was really upset with how Fear the Walking Dead just, like, dismissed her. Especially Completely considering- wasted her. They wasted her, but they also just, like, fired her very unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. And you fire an actor who actively wanted to stay on your show, which yeah. also is like, A, yeah, no, you want to fear the you want a Walking Dead paycheck and you want those residuals. Um, but at the same time, you, you've done Kim Dickens dirty, but now she's here. She's on this show. And it's just like, okay, well, I'm not going to complain too much because I wasn't watching Fear of the Walking Dead. <laughs> um, but I did watch this. Um, so, no, she's... I really like how Eve, which is the character she plays, just, like, immediately fits into it. But, all again, fits into this noir type of... Seems helpful. Very much has their own agenda. And then their agenda just, like, starts causing a number of other things to collapse because they've been pulling a lot of strings. And I like that it's A, a woman, B, it's not a femme fatale, really, because there's not necess- there's not a femme fatale in this, which is also really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then C, she's just really just, Kim Dickens just does even the non-monologue stuff, like that whole thing with watching her pour paint onto a beehive, mm-hmm. just give it to me every day. That scene tells you everything you need to know about her. It's yes. great. It's and so it comes, wonderful. And again, it comes really late in the season, but it also doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I, feel that's, like. I feel like that's closer to the midway point, but that it's been kind of like, okay, why, why'd you cast Kim Dickens for this? Right. Yeah. And, and then you get that scene. You're like, okay, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. There's more here. And then it's a similar, like it's, it's earlier than when it clicks in for Ferguson's character, but it's similarly the last like four, three, four episodes, basically when the show can start leaning its cards, right? Yes. When it can start letting you see what's been going on. And similarly, uh, though it's, you know, a smaller character, a smaller, you know, proportion of everything that's been going on, you start to, you see how it informs everything else. And it, you cast your mind back to the beginning of the season and all the other things you've been seeing. And it totally makes sense. It totally fits and follows through. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just really, really terrific. I love how we're just like gushing, but where we yeah. started out like, you know, it's, it's good. It's really, but like yeah. the things that there are to like about the show are, are big. Um, Alan Cumming, creepy as fuck. Uh, yeah. very good in this role. Um, and his, his whole scene with the kids in the diner about yeah. like, everything with the shoe and the salt and i just this is good it's not have you ever seen drag me to hell becca good but it's <laughs> close <laughs> well and then to have that payoff like to completely undercut this character after giving him so much power and yes. potency and then just like killed by colder yes colder? who has managed to kill just one person this entire season 
Um, because that's well, the thing. Two. Yeah, too. And so up to that point, because yeah. um, he's just so inept and horrible mm-hmm. um, at his job, apparently. But then to be killed by Colder, you're right. It's just really kind of icing on the cake. Um, it's very, like, um, it's very Angel Finale. Yes, and Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so that reminds me of him, like giving them the giving the kids the gun. And then yeah. we don't we lose track of the kids for a little bit until like the the desert episode, and then they like they surround Allegra, but then they have those animal masks on, and it calls back like the zoo stuff, and I'm just like, I would I was not expecting the zoo stuff to really pay off in any significant way apart from we've got cool animals around, but then to have it pay off in this way of like feral feral kids roaming the town, and it's just like, no, okay. I'm I'm all here for this. I'm here yeah. for all of this. <laughs> well, and even just with the gun, with the kids, right? That's yeah. like, it's such a, again, it's such a charged scene. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's so tantalizing. And so, like, it gives so much power to him. And yes. then that power is nothing compared to Rosario Dawson's stare. Yes, exactly. After you know? being in the desert for like a day and a half. She's been like, I don't, got, I don't have time for this shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so let's talk then about dawson uh yeah. because you said there's no femme fatale and i think one of the fascinating and interesting things about the show is that she is the detective and she's the femme fatale she's both okay let's hear it yeah let's hear it oh i think because i think she's she's the femme fatale in many of the relationships like with the senator right with with ferguson she's the one who got away who has all this power over him she like that that character who shows up out of town for you know after all these years right that is the you know that would be a side supporting character but instead of that she's the lead and they did that by gender swapping the main character and just like going from that starting point of of your detective you know and it, it so there isn't a traditional femme fatale but the character yeah. who f- most fits that those beats in some of the side plots is actually Allegra. Yeah, I'll give you that. I think it's definitely true with Spivey, Jay Ferguson's character, um, which is something I hadn't considered. And that's a very, very good point. It's true to an extent with Singe, but that feels more like honest in a lot of ways. Um, but also weirdly i think that dawson and um eddie Gathy- Gathy, um kind of lack a lot of sexual chemistry um which makes their whole thing with the toys and like the middle of the season just not work in any way shape or form and it's actually i think it's the show's better off because they don't yes no it's significantly better off because they don't um but yeah it's, but sp- particularly with spivey i think you're right um, the senator, it's a pre-existing relationship, and that relationship is also the power dynamics in that don't benefit Allegra. Um, and the femme fatale is all about those that benefit providing them with a sense of power. And I don't think that there's necessarily that same power dynamic. She has influence, but it's too blunted by Cyrus mm-hmm. to, I think, work as effectively because Cyrus is very much operating in that. Martin Landau, um, James Mason, and North by Northwest sort of deal, but much more with much more with much more efficacy um, than Landau is able to operate in North by Northwest, um, which admittedly not a noir, but it's more e 
Um, as yeah. Anyway, all that being said, I think you're I think you're correct at least in that one particular facet. But Dawson as the detective, I think, just works really really well, and it also feels very much like a exactly what you we've sort of always wanted Rosario Dawson to do, which is be a detective in a film more mm-hmm. because of course she would nail it. Yeah. And then it's just like, she does. <laughs> just, just the way, like, just for wearing those suits. Yeah. Like, that's all you need to do. Just show up and be amazing and like wear those clothes in that way to tell us everything we need to know. It's like, it's like the way that Bogey holds a, a cigarette, right? To tell right. you everything you need to know about that character. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really does. And I think that the um, the one thing that I actually do like, and this is more of like a shift and is that we still get plenty of vulnerability from her, which I really, really like in this, which is very much not a noir detective sort of thing. Um, that, that vulnerability is not supposed to be there because you're always supposed to be wisecracking and hard as nails and hard boiled, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the fact that there are thing, different things at stake for her from finding out who killed her sister, who she loved very deeply. And I think that the season, especially in the early episodes, does a really good job of setting that as like the foundation for everything. And then even after the funeral, when it kind of fades out a little bit, when it comes kind of roaring back to a certain degree of like, no, 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 I've had a through line the entire time. <laughs> you need to get on board. Cause this is right, happening. you need to get on board. Um, I think it makes a big difference with how we see Allegra. Um, and so I really appreciate how they find good ways to balance that. But more importantly, how Dawson, I think, very continuously never forgets that that's the thing that's driving Allegra through the entire thing, even to when she has to go to her high school reunion. Um <laughs> And just the sidebar, I really appreciate how the woman who organized that, or appears to have organized that 20th reunion, looks so much older than everyone else. (laughs) And just the ways in which that textures this entire goddamn town is just amazing. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Well, even just like, you can just feel the money on a lot of these characters. I mean, um, casting Ed Asner and Steve Payne, uh, what's his name, Paymer, to come in and just for Steve like Paymer, yeah. five scenes. It's just like, yep, nope, you did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and like, that's just not her experience, right? And yeah. so the years have, have worn on her in a way that they have not on Rosario Dawson, despite her various like difficulties and real struggles that she's had to overcome. Because yes. at a certain point, she got money. And yeah. or access to, to to money and yeah that made a big difference so yeah there's there's just a lot to really enjoy. the more we talk about this the more i'm like kind of itching to to sit like sit some people down and be like okay you should watch the show <laughs> let's, let's yeah watch me it. too yeah yeah i am too um and the conversation's a big part of that um because like i finished it and went that was pretty solid and now as you and i have been talking about it, i'm just like no this was, this was probably one of the better things i watched this year mm-hmm I mean, there's the like, like the aesthetics, and I it's just the right amount of campy for me, yes, and cheesy, and like, I mean, we've been talking about these different performances, but let's talk about our beleaguered newspaper man, right? Like, oh, there's just man. so many great little nuggets of performance and writing, and and uh, and direction throughout, and a lot of the pacing, I think, works really well. If they just like too fewer, 
or like even yeah. one fewer would have helped a lot. There's too many episodes in the middle, but if you can get over that, there's there's a lot to really enjoy. Even in just our total dweeb character, <laughs> the total like pushovers and the way the show engages with those and subverts it at some times and underscores it at others. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot to enjoy, and it has it's a show with empathy yes. for everyone. Um, down to who like who who gets happy endings, right? Uh, the cam girl and the lawyer, uh, and just that's 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 a lovely choice as opposed to the typical it's a sad ending for everyone noir yeah. ending so yeah there's a lot to really enjoy about about briar patch yeah well on that note uh go check out briar patch guys if you're still listening and you don't care about all the spoilers we just gave you uh, if you show us here at the end of the podcast you can find a post for this episode over at the television.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's tv you can like our page over on facebook and start up a conversation there you can email us the television at gmail.com you can find us an apple podcast with an m4a chaptered feed and an mp3 unchaptered feed and we're also open stitcher we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place and of course we are both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at Noel RK. Thanks so much for a great week, Kate. Thanks, Noel. And thank everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs>